Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much for tuning in as the right to work law in Michigan is repealed. Tens of thousands will be forced back into unions. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about that. Jarrett Skorup joins us today. He's the vice president for marketing and communications for the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Jarrett, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. You wrote a piece about this titled The UAW Lost Members in Michigan Last Year. That could change. Tell us about this story. Sure. Yeah. So every year, there's different ways to track union membership in Michigan. And the two main ways are from union financial reports that they send in and there's survey information. And one of the things I've just talked about is what's happened with union membership since Michigan went right to work, which was a decade ago. And on average, unions have lost about 25% of their members, some more, some less. The UAW is down about somewhere between 5 and 10% of their overall members. And even though we added a lot of job growth in the auto industry last year, they still lost some of their membership. So my point was connecting that to the right to work law. Those people will be forced back into the UAW, the ones that decided to resign last year once the law goes into effect. Now, we knew this was a big talking point for a lot of Democrats who were running in the last election here in the state of Michigan, and they got their wishes. They got the majority in the House and in the Senate, and they had the governor's support. Yeah, it was one of three big labor issues right out of the gate that they tackled. And an important thing to understand is the right to work law. So there was one that applied to public sector workers, so teachers, state employees, local employees. And then one that affected private sector, which in about half of those are auto workers here in Michigan, but also construction and trucking and things like that. So there's a U.S. Supreme Court decision that protects right to work for all public sector workers. They have a First Amendment right to resign. Private sector workers do not. And so the law will primarily affect them. And we find that about 60,000 private sector workers have withdrawn from their unions. And once this law goes into effect, which is probably going to be early next year, they'll be forced back into paying dues. And it'll be interesting to see how they feel about that. That's a large number of folks, 60,000 people. Why was this law pushed through if it's going to hurt so many people? So 60,000 people paying $800 or so in dues. I'm not a math guy, but tens of millions of dollars that those people were keeping on their own that they'll be forced to pay unions. So no secret, organized labor, that's the biggest financial backer of the Democratic Party. So a lot of it is for union finance reasons. You know, obviously unions have arguments against right to work law, but a big part is that you have tens of thousands of people that are going to be forced to pay tens of millions of dollars back to the unions that they can use how they like. What surprised you most about writing this piece, Jarrett? I think I was surprised about the lack of knowledge by the media over what's happened to union membership. I think to them, they think, eh, you know, People like or dislike their unions, and they don't realize how big of a loss union membership has been, especially for some unions. So Ask Me, which is a major union of state employees, mostly, they've lost half their members since the right to work law went into effect. The MEA, Michigan Education Association, they've lost more than a third of their members since the law went in. I mean, you're talking major financial issues to unions like that. And potentially, you know, even bankruptcy at some point, the Michigan Education Association has lost so many members and so much funding. And so I think that just a lack of knowledge in the media and understanding how many actual people have exercised that right. 
So these Democrats, the unions, are they just basically saying to those 60,000 plus people, screw you? I think they're saying you benefit from the contract, so you should have to pay for it. And my argument would be, obviously, they don't feel like they benefit enough from the contract to want to pay the union. And so they should have the right to be able to resign and not join. And they should try to persuade them rather than try to force them. And Jared, of course, there's the piece of this where there are a lot of folks who were in unions who didn't support everything that unions were supporting. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the United Auto Workers is coming out of seven, eight years of massive corruption at the highest level. Two past presidents that have been convicted and multiple other union leaders. I mean, there's very good reasons why people might not want to contribute to a union that was stealing their dues money, a union that was building a retirement home for a past president by taking money from it, that was using money on these financial giveaways and going to fancy restaurants and taking money for those purposes. There's reasons people might not want to support a union. And unfortunately, the Democratic Party just said, we don't care how you feel about that union. You're going to financially support them no matter how you feel about it. We're talking with Jarek Skorup, who's the Vice President for Marketing Communications for the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Jarek, when we come back, I want to talk about how this may affect the next election. Tony Connolly, this is Media Business, and this is the Michigan Business Network. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much for tuning in. Jarrett, before we talk a little bit about how this move will affect the next election, you mentioned something that I thought was interesting. The media, me and our colleagues didn't cover, aren't covering this story enough. And I think there was some confusion that folks who thought they were in the private sector, that they would be covered by that decision from the Supreme Court, which really only affects public entities. Talk a little bit about our failure in the media and what we need to do to get better. Well, I can just say here at the Mackinac Center, we've gotten dozens of phone calls since the law was repealed with questions about what does this actually mean? And some of those phone calls are from private sector workers who one guy called me, he works at a hospital system. He said, I've never had any contact with the union. Our whole unit has withdrawn from the union. They didn't do anything for us. We bargained on our own. And all of a sudden, right after the law passed, they said, by the way, you're going to have to start paying dues again. So that led him to search around to understand these types of answers on the situation. And I think that there is a lot of confusion. And there's also a lot of public sector workers that are saying, great, so now I have to pay money back into the union where I'm trying to tell them, nope. And if they tell you you do, they are incorrect, and we will be happy to represent you in court if they try to force you to pay. Jarrett, what happens if folks still refuse to pay their union dues? They'll lose their job. In the private sector, 
they will get it into the contract saying, if you don't financially contribute to the union, either as a full member or a fee payer, then you will lose your job. And the employer, whether they want to or not, it could be the best employee in the whole place, they will be forced to fire that employee. Jared, you also wrote an interesting story about what the polls said on Michigan's right to work law. What did you learn from that? Yeah, we commissioned some polling on right to work. And I wrote an article where I grabbed every poll that I could find, almost 20 polls over the past 20 years on right to work laws. And virtually every single one found, regardless of how you worded it, found pretty overwhelming support of right to work, which is really a simple law. It says nobody can be forced to pay dues or fees, contribute to a union in order to keep a job. Even Democrats overwhelmingly support that law. Union households are split on it, but pretty much every other demographic supports it. And that's from media groups. It's from conservative groups, liberal groups, almost everyone. There was one liberal poll that found, you know, they worded it very cleverly, I think. And they did find that right to work was not as popular. But even that poll found that right to work was the lowest priority issue. Repealing the right to work law was the lowest priority issue of liberal voters. So I think that there will be potentially a political backlash on this. I know this is not likely to happen, but if the Republicans were to retake the House and the Senate, could this law be repealed? It's a great question. I think it could be, you know, they would have to probably control the House Senate. And I don't think Governor Whitmer is going to sign that. So they would have to have a new governorship. But Michigan's the first state in 60 years to repeal a right to work law for good reason, which is the law is good economically and it's good for freedom issues. But I'll be curious to see some of these swing districts. If you have Democrats who voted to repeal the law, if they do lose that seat, if it becomes a campaign issue, I think that's the thing people will be watching next year. And that was my next question for you. How do you think this will affect the next election? Will people be a little ticked off about it? There's interesting political dynamics going on right now. I mean, Democrats have started doing better in some suburban areas. Republicans have been doing better in some of these rural working class areas where you have a lot of union members, but they don't necessarily agree with their union leadership. And they certainly don't agree with where the union leadership spends its money politically. So I will be curious if how much those people who might be voting Republican, but are still union members, how they feel about the issue. And I'll be curious how suburban voters who might favor Democrats on some issues, but are not in unions and maybe not favorable to unionization feel about the issue. So, you know, it's a big, wide open question that we're going to find out about. I would imagine that the state's Democratic Party, as well as the National Party, are very excited about this. Not only do they get more support numbers wise, But think of all that dough that's going to be rolling in to go out to policies and people that they want to move forward. Yeah, that's a key question. And I tell people sometimes, I mean, this money is all national. The UAW is one of the biggest unions in the world. They're located in Michigan. They take the dues money here and they spend it in other states on competitive seats and on those types of issues. So my father was in the teachers union. He worked construction and also was a teacher. And then I have a lot of uncles that are in private sector unions and them and my friends who are in those unions are often surprised how little of their union dues stays local. It goes to the state and the national level. They might like their union locally, not so favorable nationally. So I think that you know unions can force people. They are going to do what they can to get laws to force people to pay dues or fees. 
But I think they really are going to have to be a lot more responsive to what the members want, or else inevitably, this is just going to cause a big backlash. Jarrett Scorp is the Vice President for Marketing and Communications for the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about policy here in the state of Michigan and why aren't more people getting frustrated? We'll follow up on this question next here on Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much to tuning in. We're talking with Jarrett Scorp. And Jarrett, one of the things that really frustrates me as a journalist is when we have these politicians or these organizations pushing policy or pushing folks into office when it really doesn't benefit the masses. And I just wanted to get your take on that. It just seems like people don't get it, that there are a lot of people and policies that are being pushed through that don't serve us as a whole. Yeah. Well, I mean, the number one issue, people, especially my friends that don't follow every political issue all the time, and they kind of, where I talk about the budget process and say, that's kind of a show of your priorities as a state. Well, the number one spending the state of Michigan has done so far this year is they've done $3 billion in select incentives to corporations. Now, there's debate over that. There's some people that might favor it. There's some people that might be opposed to it. But it's amazing to me that the Democratic Party came in, took a narrow majority, and passed more corporate welfare incentives than any legislature has in its entire existence. That's their number one priority. Now, personally, I don't think that's good policy. I think we should lower taxes for everybody equally, not just give subsidies to a few corporations. But regardless, it's kind of amazing that that was a number one thing being kicked off with. And so few people realize that right now. Wait, Jared, I thought the Republicans are the ones that are money gougers that let the middle class (laughs) hang out to dry, that they're the ones taking all the corporate welfare. What's going on here? Yeah, it is an amazing thing. And I think there's lots of consternation within Democratic House and Senate members who do not like those bills, who did not like taking that vote. But I also don't think it's a secret that Governor Whitmer has been a big promoter of select incentives for her entire career in the legislature and as governor. And so I think from her perspective and a lot of Democrats, it's not that they disagree with giving subsidies or tax credits. It's that they want to manage it. They want to give it to select groups. They want to give it to battery. They want to give it to windmills, to green energy, whereas Republicans might have their constituents that they want to give it to. For me, overall, we just say, look, I think we just need to cut the income tax with that money. We need to cut business taxes for everyone equally, and let's let the market kind of sort out what's more productive. What's interesting about this too, Jared, is who this benefits, and yet many in the media don't cover this. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I think that is true. And when they cover it, it's more along the lines of 
I call this press release economics. The governor puts out a press release, we're giving X amount of money, it's going to create X amount of jobs. And there's never a follow-up on how many of those jobs actually got created. And our job as an economic organization is to track that. And we've tracked it for more than 20 years, the number of jobs the state projects from these types of programs and how many actually come to be. And only a very small percent ever end up being coming around. But unfortunately, that is part of the media now where we urge them, you need to look at these past programs. You need to talk about how few of these ever come to be. You need to talk about these big failures that have happened here and in other states. But it's unfortunately a lot of happy talk and putting out kind of the press releases. Jared, for the rest of the second quarter and getting into third quarter, what are you going to be watching? There still is a slate of more labor-related bills that have come up. There was a bill put out there where right now, you know, if you pay your union dues, it comes out of your paycheck. You pay the union dues. One of the bills submitted by Democrats would make that a write-off on your taxes. So essentially, taxpayers would be paying the union dues on behalf of members. That would heavily encourage unions to hike their dues because their members could just write it off and put it on the taxpayer to pay for. I don't think any other state has done that. That would be particularly nefarious. There's a lot of bargaining issues. There are limits on things like whether you can go on a strike as a public employee, what areas in bargaining you can actually talk about for how to evaluate teachers and tenure reform and stuff like that. And Democrats have introduced bills to change that prior to tenure reform 12 years ago. We had teachers with criminal convictions that we still could not fire. And there was a reason we passed tenure reform. I think they're looking at rolling that back. So there's some of those issues that I think will get pushed back and hopefully won't go anywhere. But there are a lot of pent up demand on some of those issues that I think they're looking at. Jared, going back to that one particular bill where taxpayers would end up paying union dues, where does that stand? Does that have a good chance of passing? It's been introduced and it's in the Labor Committee, which is where prevailing wage and right to work and some of these other bills have went through. I don't know. I mean, I think it's at least has some chance. It's certainly a huge high priority for unions, but everything has a chance if it gets introduced. And it's just a question of if you can hold your whole coalition of everyone together. If a single Democrat votes against any of these bills, as long as Republicans hold together, then it dies. But, you know, that's a lot of money to a big constituent group. And those union dues, I'm still curious about that. A lot of that money goes for uses that I'm sure people wouldn't care about. Why don't we seem to understand the damage that is being done by a lot of these unions or those union members in particular, those leaders who have stolen money, who have ended up in jail? Yeah, it's gone to stolen money to people that have misspent it. But it's also just spent lobbying on political activity that don't have anything to do or very little to do with these labor unions. I talked to my friends who are in construction unions or UAW. They might like the UAW on their own contract, but they're flabbergasted to know that that's going on issues related to abortion or gun rights or something. And, you know, people are all over the place on how they feel about that issue. I'm not really sure why a the United Auto Workers cares about that. Certainly, most of their membership is pretty pro-gun, and yet they do get involved in a lot of these other issues that I think are outside the sphere of what they actually work on. And they should probably spend their time focused on the bargaining issues. We've been talking with Jarrett Skorup, who is the Vice President for Marketing Communications at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Jarrett, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter, Jarrett Skorup. And it's a complicated name, but you can find me. All right. I appreciate you so much, Jared. Thanks so much. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you, Tony. 
I'm Tony Connolly. This has been Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. We'll see you next time.